everyone. I'm Hope Lehman. I'm Camila Richardson. And I'm Marisol Ketchings. And welcome to Just Be, a podcast by and for Black women entrepreneurs. special guest with us today. Her name is Candice. Yes. And we're going to be talking about the craft fair hustle. So we got a good show. You don't want to miss this one, especially if you want to make some money. Word. <laughs> okay. Awesome. So today we're going to talk about um, the craft fair hustle, which I guess we've defined as like vending, talking about kind of like the politics of the craft fair, like what's going on in the world with crafting um, gentrification, we're based in the Bay Area. I think y'all should know that, but we're here in the town in Oakland, so there's a lot of cool things going on, but there's also just a lot going on. And we have Candace here, who has an amazing, amazing brand and business that we're going to get into in a second. And um, and also, I wanted to give Candace a shout-out as being like a veteran. I see, I see you as a veteran in the field at this point. You have so much <laughs> yes. wisdom, and we're super excited to hear it. Um, so... So you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Cool. So my name is Candace Cox. Um, I'm the owner and designer of Candid Art Accessories. I'm based in Oakland, California. Oakland. I'm born and raised in Oakland. So oh yeah, you're also it's from the very town. special. Nice. Oakland's always been a very special place in my heart. Um, basically, I started my business. I was in corporate America for seven years. And I was over corporate America. I mean, the money was great, but the hustle was real, and I'm working for someone else. And it just wasn't satisfying, because I've always been really creative. So I just decided to quit my job one day. Um, People were like, oh, you must be crazy. But I was like, nope, I'm quitting, and I'm moving to New York, because I always wanted to live in New York. So that's what I did. Um, I didn't know I was going to do jewelry. It wasn't like a passion or like, oh, I've always made jewelry. i just always been creative. Um, it happened by accident. Oh. Yeah, it was never. <laughs> That's awesome. So you were just like, I it don't was... know what I'm going to do, but I know that this is not the life for me. That's exactly what it was. Well, yes. I'm impressed that you moved yeah. to New York. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I, had saved, I had put myself in a good position. I had saved a lot of the, the good thing in corporate America, I did save a lot of money. So I knew I could live for like a year or some more and just not work if I had to. So that's what I did. I kicked it for almost a year in New York. Um, the jewelry came upon a conversation with the homegirl. Um, she was, she used to make jewelry and she was like, why don't you buy some of my jewelry and resell for wholesale and make money on the side? And then it just like a light went on my head. I was like, why can't I make it myself? So I stayed up to four o'clock that morning, watched a YouTube video on how to make feather earrings. And that's how I started. And I just created and did tests and watched little videos and then just started doing my own design. So I started in New York, but I was definitely inspired by New York's culture, Brooklyn specifically. I'm not going to lie. It was a lot of creative people, a lot of hustlers. Um, I I love New York. It's like my second home, um, and that's where my business was born, in Brooklyn. Where was the first place you sold your feather earring? Oh, so I'll never forget. The first place (laughs) I ever did was Shecky's. They don't even have it anymore. It was called Shecky's Girls' Night Out. It was in Washington, D.C., I went to D.C. Oh, wow. Yeah, to sell my jewelry. And I remember I made, <laughs> like, even when I compare the numbers today, I made 
hella money that first show. And basically, um, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how people were going to react. But once I did that first show and got a taste of like what the potential was for my business, um, I just, it was like, it was on a popping. But I did Shaki's Girls Night Out in DC in 2011. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Wow, shout out to Shecky's. They're not around anymore, but yes. I know a few people who started their businesses by going to Shecky's. Yeah, Shecky's is popping. Because they were in like 11 states throughout the United yeah. States. Oh. They were like so in, in California and Oakland? They were, they were in San Francisco. Yeah. I did the one here they in LA. Fort Mason. Yeah. Huge Fort Mason. All women vendors. Right. Oh. And they would have open bar. It was a good, dope concept. So people would be buzz getting their shop on. So it was great. Yeah. <laughs> There's the concept that now I'm like. It was it was a cool one. It was like a traveling. It was a traveling show. Traveling show. Yeah. yeah. That was awesome. Um, so, yeah. That's how it started. And, yeah. The other question I had was, like, how is that? journey been for you from then until now oh wow i mean it's been a tough journey i'm not gonna lie (laughs) i mean the money got real like you because you i didn't really it's like a lot of things i would have did differently like i wish i could have had a mentor at the time like i didn't even know about the fashion industry i knew about the food and beverage and sporting industry because that's where i came from so this was a whole new industry for me so i just did a lot of research by myself and then i asked people questions but it wasn't like i really knew how the fashion show hustle or fashion worked like I would have done a trade show earlier in my career if I'd have mm-hmm. known the importance of a trade show. For those who don't know about that, that's basically where you're selling your your products wholesale to boutiques directly and to retailers. Mm-hmm. So it's like a one stop shop. It's very expensive, but you can get gain a lot of business from that and a lot of money. Um, and so basically, in the beginning, it was just a lot of hustle, and I was so busy spending money on all these materials that I kind of didn't need, and investing in, like, trainings that weren't even, like, getting a PR person early in my career was kind of pointless, because our business wasn't even established enough. So that would be something I wouldn't recommend in, in like, your first couple years. You need to establish your business, your sales, your strategy, and your branding. Don't worry about the PR part. That will come later. So I invested all this money in pointless things, and then I noticed I started running out of money. (laughs) So it was just like I had to get a part-time job, you know, hustle harder, like, work Mm -hmm. harder. (laughs) Just work more because I knew um i was like damn this money's not really adding up and then i didn't start realizing the power of doing shows like just kind of doing more vending versus stores because at the beginning a lot of stores want to do consignment and um for me i don't really did consignment it is good because it gets you in a place that you want to test out right but then you got to really be on top of your consignment making sure your money you're getting paid every month and that you don't have all this inventory just sitting there when you're going to be selling that so it's a balance um so yeah Anyway, so that's what I, you know, it was a hustle. And then I decided to move back to Oakland because the Bay Area has a true appreciation for handmade items. I and hear that no, all the time. It, they do. And Brooklyn was great, but the Bay Area is even better. Mm-hmm. Like people really support local artists. And then mm-hmm. me being from, like from here, I knew I would get a lot more support and then all my family was here. So I was feeling a little homesick because I was on the East Coast for like four and a half years. Mm -hmm. So then I decided for personal and business, it made sense for me to move back to Oakland. And that's where my my business just kind of went to another level being out here. So could you describe really quickly before Camila jumps in with a question is your like one of your pieces? So because, you know, we're audio, we're not visual. (laughs) Oh, right. Like maybe pick your favorite one and then like 
describe it to like the color and the feel what it looks like so the first my when I first created my jewelry line I wanted to do like avant-garde really out of pocket like bold jewelry so body mm. chains was what I connected with. I started with feathers, but once I realized the, the power of the chain and how it drapes the body and making, body chain is almost like armor. It's like you yeah. slip it on. It's not a neck, it's not, it's like a combination of a necklace shield. It's, it's gonna make you stand out, it's dramatic. So once mm -hmm. I learned that, I really wanted to start focusing on that. The difficulty with a body chain is that it was more for individual customers, not for wholesale. It was mm. a little bit difficult mm. to sell into a retailer. Yeah. So you had to get that specific, and it was a specific customer. It wasn't just any old customer. Right. So um, a lot of my jewelry started with a lot of feathers, but then that faded out, that trend, and then body jewelry, which is still, to me, going stronger than ever. And it actually hit the East Coast before it even came to Oakland, because I remember when I first bought it here, people were like, I they didn't even know what this was. Mm. But in New York, they were already rocking body chains and stuff, so I was like, yeah. Oh, they're sure. ahead of us yeah. fashion. Yeah, it was just hot. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, there was a hat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, it, but it made me be really creative, because you have to stand out amongst all these dope artists. Um, and then I started getting to like oh, metalwork. Interesting. It yeah. made you step it your made, game up. It did. No, every time that's why like New York is inspiration. It does. Not say Barriot, but we're more relaxed. That's our, yeah. our it's more oh, yeah. zen. New York is always grinding and hustling. So for me it was like, damn, you gotta be on it if you wanna get noticed. And then I started that's how I started getting like like magazine ads. Um a lot of celebrity stylists were reaching out to me and that was overwhelming because I didn't even I was like, But well, this is not really making me money. Like it was great for right. publicity, but uh, it wasn't really getting money in my pocket. Right. So right. I had to learn how to kind of back up that whole celebrity and um or giving pieces away to celebrities or bloggers. It was kinda like, eh. It's not really beneficial. <laughs> so yeah, that's interesting. Actually, I never thought of that. Yeah, because in New York, it's East more access too. So yeah. people will reach out to me all the time. I dropped the ball on all types of folks, but because they were like, "Oh, can we wear your piece for this or for this shoot and for that?" And it right. would be like, "Cool, I would get dope pictures out of it." But then what? Like I wasn't. They weren't buying it. It didn't translate into dollars. No, it didn't. And so it was like about strategic giving the pieces to the right people. But even then, not even focusing your time on that. Focusing on trying to building your brand and going, getting more access to like stores, and um and just visibility and like being out there vending. So mm. yeah. So anyway, so my my pieces now are. I still do body jewelry a lot, but I also do a lot of tassels now. I love tassels, playing with cotton and fibers. It's like fiber art. Mm -hmm. um, I've done some hand dyeing with some of the colors and just creating. That's like the trend now, kind of doing a lot of tassels. But I need to go back to being bold again. I kind of simmered down a little bit because mm -hmm. I was doing focusing on retailers. But that's not my true, my true passion is bold, really bold pieces that really make you stand out that are very unique and a lot of people don't have. What kind of metal do you use? Oh, so I brass is my favorite metal of all times because it oxidizes. It can become very vintagey looking, but it also could be shine right back up yeah. with a polishing cloth. Yeah. So I love brass. It's a very sturdy metal. It's affordable. It makes sense. Um, but I also am starting to use a lot more gold and silver only because customers want jewelry. They want those earrings that's going to last forever. And a lot of people have sensitive ears and sensitive yeah. skin. So it has right. to be hyperallergenic. So it has to be either stainless steel, gold, or silver. So I'm using all those metals now, but brass is definitely my main metal. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what are some of the shapes of your pieces? Geometric triangles. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with triangles. I love geometric, hard lines, clean. Um, I used to draw, so I'm, you know, I used to do art, like draw, do artwork, but I drew people. But when I did like patterns, I would doodle a lot. I always did geometric shapes. I just love the way it looks. Um, mm -hmm. it's just it's just beautiful to me. So 
Um, it's very feminine to me, but then it also has a masculine quality, and I like that. Yeah. About triangles and shapes. And... This is very Aries of you. Yeah. <laughs> is it? Yeah, Aries is like kind of the, is masculine energy. Yeah. No, no, yeah, that's what they say. We we could be a beast in the kinds of relationships. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're very. Uh, yeah, I'm a true Aries. Yeah. <laughs> very messed up. I'm not gonna lie. Um, so I've always liked the shapes. Yeah. You guys should really check out her jewelry. It is beautiful. She has these. Triangle earrings that I see everywhere. <laughs> I swear, that must be your top seller. It is. <laughs> the large prisms or I the small prisms. I see those prisms. everywhere. I, I see those a lot around, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. People take pictures from other states and they'll be like, oh, so-and-so, I saw so-and-so, somebody wearing your earrings. It's like, oh, thanks. I've been at birthday parties, coffee <laughs> shops, and been like, oh. That's kids' hair. <laughs> oh, that's kids' hair. <laughs> no, that's nice. That's always good to hear. Yes. So local fairs and festivals and large craft shows have the potential to help put your business on the map and give you great exposure. I actually personally know two or three people that doing large shows for them, and it sounds like maybe for you too with Shecky's, was life changing. You're getting direct feedback from customers. You know, it's like one thing to have an online shop when you, you're in person, so you get to interact with your customer. I do have a strong sales background, so I love the idea. Mm. I like upselling. I like selling. I like I like convincing them that my product is what it is without being too overly selly. So, um, <laughs> no, it's a fine line between the sales. It is. It's, that's a whole other, other thing. No, y'all are good at that. I'm yeah. awkward. Oh. <laughs> but vending, um, vending is great for your business because it gives you, like, lump sums of money. In that yes. moment, which is another thing that's great, especially if you're doing it full time and you're getting direct feedback from your consumer. So mm-hmm. you're seeing exactly how they feel, what they think about your product. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of work. <laughs> that's oh, the yeah. other, that's a whole other oh, yeah. thing with vending. Um, it's a lot of work to do that. Yeah, yes. that's a good point. I never thought about the direct feedback angle. That's real. That's good. Yeah. I like that. It's like to your face. I I ask my customers too when I'm vending, like, do you like this fabric? Would you buy this? Do you get this? Right. Is this, you know, because sometimes I'm always nervous about my t-shirts and my designs because sometimes I feel like they might be a little ugh. And so I'm like, are you offended by this image? Or, you know, do, right. can you relate to this? So, no, you're absolutely right with that. It's a great way to get feedback for yeah. your business. So... We know that you are the craft fair beast. <laughs> How many shows did you do last year? I did 51 shows last year. Um, I know people are like, that doesn't, I'm like, no, that's a lot. It's almost like doing a show a week in a year. Yeah. It's 52 weeks oh. in a year. Oh. If you look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it was beast mode last year. I'm not going to lie. Um, and you have staff, right? I do have staff now. Yeah, I had staff last year. I have one trade show. Or I call my event manager, so she does a lot of my shows either for me or with me. Mm-hmm. And then I have a production assistant who helps make the jewelry. And at that time, I had an operations person, too. She was the one who helped me with the back end of my business because there's so many moving parts within your business she didn't realize. And she was able to get me PR, good, really good press last year. Um, and she was a customer. And I also had a social media person who does my newsletters who was also a customer. So that turned into an employee. So. Yeah, staff was critical, but 51 shows, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a lot. Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, this year I'm a little burnt out. Because <laughs> you got to prep. Doing a trade show is not easy as people think it is. 
Um, number one, you have to be a little, you have to have be strong because you got to be able to carry your stuff. Yes. Whether that's a canopy, table. Oh, like literally. Like literally. Okay. Pick up your stuff. I just need the listeners to know that because yeah. I was like, carry it, like metaphorically. No, like no, literally. Like, pick up them. <laughs> like your pick, biceps. Yeah, you need yes. to pick up them suitcases, throw that canopy over your shoulder and keep it moving. Oh, be able to yeah. set it up by yes. yourself if you have to, which also takes a lot of effort. Um, yes. And the other thing is planning ahead with trade shows. You have to... You have to know which shows are coming up, and you have to know the deadlines. A lot of times the deadlines are before the actual show. So sometimes you don't even hear about the deadline until the show is here, and then it's too right. late for you to apply. So you right. got to kind of create a marketing calendar for trade shows. you got to have a lot of, you got to have your money kind of stacked up, right? Because you got to do a lot of upfront yep. paying hey, for it, yeah, and you don't get costs. the money till later. Yeah, and the vendor fees can range. It could be as low as $50 to as high as like 300 or, or my highest one last year was $500. For um, how many days? For one day. Wow. Yeah, and usually I would never do that. However, <laughs> this was the Essence Street Style Black Party. So this is an exception during oh, Fashion Week. Oh, that's one day. Yeah, it's a one day, but it goes hard. It's like one full, compact, nonstop sales. It reminds me of that you see, like how the UC oh, Berkeley yeah. like that within that 45 minutes. Yeah. But that's like within a four or five hour time frame. All right. So that's Dang, the comparison. <laughs> No, seriously. Wow. So it's like, to me, that show, and that, that exposure is also on another level. In New York, especially during Fashion Week, there's big-time bloggers there. So you got to be strategic about your shows and which one's going to give your business the best exposure yeah. mm -hmm. and where you're going to sell the most product. Yeah. And to me, that event is one of my top-selling events. Um, and that one, there's always, like, I, that's how I was able to get into all these holiday guides last year because bloggers had oh. met me. At the, at the you know, street style, like a couple, this one blogger, she wears my earrings all the time, and she didn't act, and it wasn't given. They bought my earrings and my jewelry because I'm there, and they and there's only 12 vendors. So oh. it's very picky how, oh. how they choose. So you get, it's a great <laughs> setup. I, I highly recommend that show, if you can get in. Um, yeah. I kind of have it in. This is my third year doing it. I did it, yeah, last year was my third year, so. Wow. Yeah, it's awesome. And only 12 uh, people. I don't know why I thought it was bigger than that. But. No, the black party, it's other activities going on, but vendor-wise, okay. it's only it's 12 only vendors. 12 Interesting. Yeah, what? and I remember the first year I did it was 10. So, yeah, I mean, they might, I'm assuming they might expand it because so many people, people want to do it, but then a lot of people also don't want to pay that $500 right. fee. Right. Well, there's probably something, too, a little exclusive about that for the customers as well. It's like they only invite you know, 12 of the best. Right. You know. No, it is. Or some people have been following you. Like, I had customers introduce themselves. They they had been following me, and they wanted to meet me because they know I'm in the West Coast now. So it was like, oh, you're yeah. here. Let me come and support. Yeah, and, that, yeah. and then I have, like, people that have rocked with me from the beginning of time because that's where I started my business, too. So New York has, a, like, double tie-in for me. So yeah, it makes yeah. sense. And it's Fashion Week, so everybody knows I'm out there. <laughs> like, a lot of celebrities and stylists and those type of things. Good exposure. Do you, I like that you said that you're like strategic about like where you go and vend because like when I first started, of course, I just said yes to like whatever. Yeah. And now because it's so exhausting and I also realize I'm not a salesperson. So I literally <laughs> get grouchy at the end of events if I don't make any money. Like I just turn into a gremlin. That's what I say. Right. <laughs> because I'm all like, man. And I'm like, this isn't who I am. I don't want to be a gremlin. So no, I've learned that like, I've learned that it's not my passion for one, but two, right. I've also learned that like, 
um, to be strategic and like and keep tracking it and like what what events like make me the most money boom doing those again they don't make right. any money I'm out like I'm not even gonna try again unless there's some sort of special like situation right so for you like how do you decide what how have you decided over the years like which fairs to do and oh, that's yeah a good question. that's a good question um, it started off with me just doing my own research like and then you talk to other designers what shows are you doing which shows mm-hmm. work for you? And a lot of it is trial and error. You got to test it out yourself. And over the time, to be honest, I get invited to a lot of shows now, which are not necessarily publicized to everyone. Yeah. But those shows typically be like are typically better for me because now the more people see you, then they're like, mm-hmm. oh, would you be interested in our show? Or would you be interested? So now a lot of it is invite where I don't have to necessarily seek certain shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are specific shows that I know I do every year because they make a certain amount of money like art and soul in oakland is always a great show for me um there's certain etsy anything where etsy is popping i'm not gonna lie any like those are just those are like i don't care what other shows going on i'm always going to do those shows because they're mm-hmm, great yeah. the energy's good mm-hmm. the customer and they appreciate your work it's just a good vibe yeah. so so the other thing i'm learning is doing shows sometimes it is about the money but it ain't i need that i need a good energy too at a show like yeah. sometimes you do shows and it's just cold and it's not fun. Like, at the yeah. end of the day, I kind of want the show to be fun. So there are even shows that I might even do that don't necessarily pay as much, but I love to be there. Yeah. And I yeah. like to interact. Yeah. So you get those shows, too. So it's like a trade-off. But I'm not going to lie. Like, over time, because I've been doing so many, and I'm, like, kind of starting to focus more on stores and museums, um, I'm definitely cutting back on some of the trade shows, so I'm definitely being a little bit more picky okay. when people ask me, and then I'm like, yeah, nah, I'm not going <laughs> to do that show because it's just not beneficial. And then another thing to look into with trade shows is corporations are starting to do private showings for their company. Google is one of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, we've noticed that with the tech the tech. Oh, the tech and industry. I work, yeah. I work in tech diversity, so it's really funny to be on the other end of it. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but they have, like, there's, like, pop-upsters. Is that, you know, we're in the tech world so right. like someone created a tech solution to like trying to find events so that that's what pop-upsters is mm-hmm. it hasn't it's, it's like hit or miss i think we're on the fence about it or at least it i is. am yeah yeah but it definitely yeah. is hit or miss but the whole idea of tech companies giving like you know pride because you know how it is it's that whole like google effect where it's like we want to give you all these benefits come work for us right and right. so now they have like private markets for their employees yeah. which is yeah. like which, which is like could potentially be good but i haven't really made good money at any of those events yet i can't think i'm trying to think if there's one oh the the there was a partnership event with kiva and one of the hubs in san francisco that was like my best event but that was it like the the small situation i think my my products are just very much black and brown and if there aren't black and brown people there and they ain't buying <laughs> I will say my experience with that is that I've learned that when someone from the tech company hosts it, it's better yes. than if they go through pop-upsters. pop-upsters. Oh. And I'll, uh, for an example, Google now has once a month, they have their own like farmer's market, flea market thing that they host on their campus. I know people who have done ex- exceptionally well there mm-hmm. but when they used to host it through pop-upsters people were complaining they were like i didn't make any money at this damn thing mm-hmm. you know so i have noticed that like if you are going to do something through a tech company or a company period because i think i've done some that weren't tech companies they were just co-working spaces mm-hmm. you know different things like that it has to be well for me I've experienced that it's better when it's hosted through 
the company, not through a middle third party. party yeah. 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 No, I agree with that. Because um, the ones I did, I did Google, but I did it for specific holiday markets. It was going down. Like, it was great. The yeah, the real, bigger companies. And the companies and the employees actually put that together. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was awesome. I've done other ones that haven't been that great. So it's not something I do all the time, but it's mm-hmm. just another um, avenue to doing pop-ups. Another market. Like, market. West Elm is starting to do, they do a lot of local yeah. pop-ups, which can be hit or miss. I like West Elm, though, for other, it's comfortable. It's not like it's, it's, it's like I get new customers. It's a different customer. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have, you got to have your reasons for doing certain shows, but... It's definitely, but it's it's a lot of work, and sometimes I can have my person, my events manager, work for me. Sometimes she's not available, so I got to do it myself. And it's a lot when I'm creating the jewelry and doing the shows, and you have to set up. And usually, you have to get there like two hours before the event even starts, just to do yeah. your setup. First thing in the morning. First thing yeah. in the morning. Yeah. So then, and then you're hoping that there's food at the location. If you forget to bring food, but you should bring snacks because you're gonna get starving, or sometimes you can't leave your booth. Because it's too busy, or you don't want to just leave your stuff sitting there by itself. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of it's a lot to vending. It's a lot, a lot of, work. of moving parts. It's a lot of moving parts. You definitely have to be dedicated to the business. It definitely yeah. takes energy to do it. You're gonna definitely have to interact with the customer, and you're definitely and you gotta have your stuff creatively displayed as well, and have it look appealing so that people want to come to your table right. and shop mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's um. Well, I feel like I have two questions, but the first one is um. Well, it's kind of a follow-up to our idea that we talked about with Jess B. So, mm-hmm. And then for the listeners, again, I think we, we've talked about Jess B all the time, but we're a podcast, and we also are trying to build a national network for black women entrepreneurs. But you talked about, like, doing your own research to find, like, events, and we talked about, like, an event calendar. So, like, do you think that's a good idea? Do you think, like, how, you know, like, how can we actually help solve that problem? Because that's, like, there's a bit of a need there. In terms of event calendar, well, we should have one. And I know I still gotta add. I still haven't added. Well, I mean, your things, brain has like a kajillion. It's gonna take you forever to add. And to sometimes the list. events you don't know about till it's almost here. That's the other thing yeah. too. Sometimes it's like there's. I do new events every year, so yeah. it's always like. But having an events calendar, there's like certain core events. Like I know, Art and Soul's deadline coming up, or if you want to do Renegade or Etsy, there's certain deadlines that you know. Yeah. Sometimes you got to reach out to them because you know it's about to come up and you're like, wait, I need to make sure I apply for that show because I definitely want to be a vendor at that show. So having a calendar will definitely help you. Or like for me now, that the reason I knew I did 51 shows because I write down all of my shows that I ever, every time I do it, I always write down what I made in cash and what I made in credit card. So I already know what I'm making and I know mm-hmm. what the booth fee is and I know mm-hmm. what time of the month it comes. So I go back to my list and revisit it. And then I'll be like, okay, I'm going to do this one again, or I'm not going to do this one again because it wasn't that successful. And not, and sometimes you'll do a show, and it may not be successful if it's a repetitive show, like a First Fridays. And you may not be, you may not do well at one show, but don't give up on the show. Do it at least three, three to four times mm-hmm. before you decide you're not going to do it because it could just be that day. Right. Like sometimes it's just a day thing versus like it was popping last month, but it's not popping this month. Right. But I wouldn't write it off completely unless you just want to break. Like, I'm about to take one. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But, so that's something to keep in mind when doing shows, too. Don't sometimes judge it off one show if it's a reoccurring show. Yeah. 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 And I would add to know who your target market is, though. Because, like, yeah. I'm not, I just don't, like, for example, at the mall, Emeryville Mall, I never make any money over there. Oh, where? Yeah. At the when the pop ups happen at the Emeryville Mall, Bayshore. Yeah, that's just not yeah. my market. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think you know. So I think that's for me. That's like, I just have to just know. I have to learn. Because <laughs> in the beginning, I was like, yeah, it's great. You just yeah. want to do everything. No, yeah, I used to do everything all the time when I was in New York, and I spent a lot of money wasting 
time and money doing these shows that really wasn't relevant to my brand. Yeah, yeah. You, but you, but you have to kind of test it out. You got mm-hmm. to, you got to, you got to try and see what works for you. Well, yeah, yeah that's how you're really gonna know. Yeah. yeah. Nothing will humble you faster than when you show up at an event at the crack of dawn. <laughs> Set up a tent, set up a table, put all your most beautiful prized possession products out, and you don't make a dime. Nothing will humble you faster (laughs) in this business, but it's it's all a learning experience. Definitely. Yeah. And we've all experienced it. I'll never forget the first show I did. Not the first show, but one of the shows I did when I didn't make no money. I was that I was pissed. Like you get really angry. Oh, yeah, you're like, yeah. I wasted money, time, energy. Yeah. Right. So it yeah. definitely like craft said, fair gremlin. That's what yeah. I mean. No, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> definitely humbles you. Um, what kind of advice would you have for a black woman starting out? You know, like what would you you can maybe share like maybe like four or five tips you have or or like some key things that you wish you had known at the beginning that would have just saved your life. <laughs> no, seriously. Um there's a couple. Well, do your research in your industry. Sometimes, like as black women, we're very creative and we're very driven and we'll jump into the industry sometimes without really doing our homework. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I did that. And that's something I probably could have waited and I would have saved thousands of dollars on other things if had I know what was most important in my industry. So I would say do your research. Talk to other people that are already doing it. Yes. Like, yes. And, and when I say talk to them, make it convenient for them. I'm sorry, I've had people reach out to me Tell me you're going to take me to breakfast or something. Make it worth my while for me to want to come up because I'm a very busy woman. Yeah. Entrepreneurs are busy, so you sometimes got to wine and dine someone to get the information you need. That's something I would recommend. Definitely reach out to someone who's already doing it and just say you want to pick their brain. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, the thing, don't bite, don't like copy exactly what they're doing, but definitely get their their feedback in terms of how, what are they doing? Because it will save mm-hmm. you so much time if you have someone to, to add their advice. If uh, the other thing is have funding for your business, if you could start in the beginning doing a Kickstarter or one of these Indiegogo, mm, see funding. Yeah, the funding, like for me, I wish I would have did a small business loan at the time. I was just like, oh, I got money, but I could have used my, my, my credit was being on point and all that, and I should have used the business loan versus my own money to invest in my business. Yeah. It, it just, for me, because I wasn't working and starting my business, I was straight up just chilling. So, <laughs> you call it chilling? I'd be chilling. <laughs> like, all right, quit. I was like, I'm just going to hang out. So um, getting capital in the beginning is good so you can get all the quality. The thing about, unfortunately, with, like, black businesses, a lot of times we just don't have the funding. So, like, our display might be not as up to par. We may not have the best materials. And it's like we really should be on point if you're starting, but it goes back to funding. So that's very critical to make sure you just try to get funding for your business, which you think makes sense so that you can start off on a great fit. Um, make sure you have your, your logo and your branding kind of strong in the beginning. Um, paying for your logo to get done, I, I highly recommend because you, or unless you have logo skills, mm-hmm. because that's going to be your branding. That's going to set the tone of the vibe. Mm-hmm. And you got to do your research on what energy or who's, and try to figure out, I mean, I know you may not know your target audience then, but you kind of got to do some research to figure that out. Cause there's things that I wish, even though I did have my logo early in my brand, um, it's just like, why did I choose that? It wasn't really typical mm. branding reasons. Right. I didn't even understand the color thing. I didn't know about none of that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the other thing I recommend when starting your business. Um, what else? Don't be afraid to ask for help. I did every, a lot of stuff on my own in the beginning. Like I didn't. I did everything on my own, to be quite honest. Um, people started helping me. They would ask to help me at shows. 
Um, I wish I would have asked for more help earlier so that you don't get kind of burnt out and you don't, and you can focus on other areas of your business, like Mm -hmm. growing your business. So (laughs) ask for help, try to get interns um, that are free in the beginning. So, you know, you may not have the money to pay them or if you do get the capital, if you do get a a funding, then that's money that you can set aside and pay a stipend, a monthly stipend or weekly stipend or something like that. Um, yeah, my um, one thing my partner was sharing with me, he was saying that if I start paying myself or at least budgeting it in, then I, that's money I could put towards a human, like someone that I'm hiring. That like, so and true. I was like, it's so funny because I feel like we're not, I'm like, oh, I don't have to pay myself. So I'm like very hard on myself. Like we're hard on ourselves. No. Like forget mm-hmm. about it. But the minute he said I could pay someone else, I was like, oh yeah, let's do this. Yeah. yeah. No, so that funny. is very true because we don't pay ourselves. I wasn't mm-hmm. paying myself in the beginning. But now I'm like, shit, I'm getting paid. I'm about to pay myself Oh, I added my first. labor into my costs recently as well. Yeah, you have to because it's like, like you said, then you got to have money. I want to have staff because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, that production is going to generate me more money when I have more inventory and I have more time to focus on other parts of the business. That's the thing I had to figure out. Is it Does it make sense for me to hire somebody or not? Yeah. And it does for me as my business was growing more and more because I found myself barely having inventory. And it's like, dang, I missed out on money. Because I didn't even have enough inventory. Mm-hmm. Had I had this inventory, I might have been able to get more money. So yeah. you don't have yeah. to. That's that's a very, and I waited late in my business to do that, to be quite yeah. honest. I, and I wish I would have known. I would have did that earlier, too. I think it's a hard step. It's intimidating. It is. It is. And you don't want and you don't want everybody to learn how you make your jewelry or make their secrets. Because right. they, they, they have to learn your product. So you just, I mean, obviously you haven't signed a, a, a non-disclosure agreement and confidentiality and all that. But... You just kind of pray and hope. And for me, I had to get over that whole, like, someone copying you situation because it's like, I'm a creative. I'm always going to create some hot shit. So it's like, I'm always going to design. And those yeah. biters, mm-hmm. they're going to always bite, and they're going to be second class, and I'm going to be first. So it is what it is. You can't let that affect your business. You just got to keep it. Yeah, keep or, like, it. block you from, like, growing and moving forward. Exactly. Right? Yeah. 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 Have you ever created a business plan? You know, I didn't. Uh, I started it. I actually, I, you know what? Let me take that back. I had applied for this, um, it was a funding program in the city of New York, and it ended up falling through. We had to create a business plan in order to get it. So, yeah. But I had already started my business. So this was kind of yeah, like creating the plan afterwards, yeah. which allowed me to delve deep into the business, things that I never thought of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then the funding ended up falling through, so I did all this work, and I felt like it was for nothing. But it was able, it gave me like an overview of my business. And it was beneficial, but I'm not going to lie. I, I did not run my business off of a business plan. Well, most people, that's actually, I think, one of the myths of starting a business is that you, you just go and see if you can, first, if you have a sellable product. Because right. if you don't, like, right. go back to the drawing board. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but then one of the myths is that you actually create your business, like, most people create their business plan after anyways because they realize they want to dedicate their time to it. You yeah. Know? Because yeah. you don't realize like the cost of opportunities, like the SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. Like you don't even know that until you've been running your business. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those things that they actually in your business plan is like, I don't, I wouldn't know until I run it. Yeah. The, so. the reason why I ask is because when you're talking about in, like do your research on your industry and your customer, like all the things you're sharing are in basic basic business plans. And not to give like a shameless plug, but I'm teaching a class right now. <laughs> and I've done two programs and I won the seed capital, I was telling you all, um, for my business. So I... Highly recommend, essentially all the stuff you're saying is in a business plan. So if folks need more structure around how to do that, Mm -hmm. I'd recommend you take a program in your area or connect with Just Be because we're trying to offer some basic resources around that as well for black women. So y'all aren't, so we aren't always being, we're we're black women magic, just trying to do everything on our own. Right. Yeah. We try to build some support. And we could be all over the place too. It's like, wait, because there's still things I don't have in order and structure, but 
um, doing shows. And the other thing, like, I, I know I talked about trade shows briefly, but trade show is something else a lot of black women are not a part of. I know when I did my first trade show, I counted on my hand how many black designers were there, and it was three of us yeah. out of, like, 200. It was ridiculous. So explain what a trade show is. Yeah. So a trade show is where you're showcasing your products. You're not, this is not like a vending, you are, but you're not. You're actually going to be selling directly to retailers. So retailers could be a boutique, local boutiques in your area or any throughout the United States. It could be a department store like a Nordstrom's, Anthropology, Urban Outfitters, a museum. Like these are the type of companies that come to trade shows to seek brands for their stores. So you're on a, it's basically on a higher level. And you got, you know, you got to establish your business a little bit before I would recommend doing one. But don't wait too long. I wish I could have did one, to be honest, a year and a half, two years earlier. Um, Because when I did my first trade show, I did very well for me. And I got a lot of new stores. And all of a sudden, all these orders just came in and you get all this money boom at one time but you gotta have the production to make yeah, it yeah like, your product <laughs> my brain's like ah right. but then you're also getting exposure in all these different states across the country which is right. awesome which you otherwise would not have access to right and you're um, meeting the oh. buyers directly in person now the trade show like to me the first one for a beginner i highly recommend the pool trade show cash and carry because you can also sell individually as well as do wholesale nice. it is the most okay. inexpensive trade show it is the that easiest was my next one. question and it is, it is the easiest one to where you can get individual sales and wholesale sales okay. so to me that is like the the starting point as far as I'm concerned for mm-hmm. a, for a trade show I did and you and I did mine I did two of them and that's how I ended up meeting one of my top customers now the Smithsonian actually at this the first trade show I ever did yeah the, the buyer came to my table so it's like I would have never been in the Smithsonian had I not been at this trade right, show. Right, right, so right. it just shows you, and not to say like like some of the stores. There was a lot of stores I did not necessarily reorder. Who knows why? And that could have been my fault. The other thing is nurturing that wholesale relationship. I have had issues. Well, that's his own. Situation. That is a home. It's like situation. one person. Just you being really like, have to. How are you? Because yeah. the buyer will forget about you. Not that your product didn't sell. You're just not on their radar, and they right. have a gazillion products in their store. So you got to kind of be in your their face. You got to keep sending them your updated line sheets. So that's something I'm still working on because it's difficult when you're running your own business and you're doing everything else. Yeah. So yeah. that's why hiring I'm saying hiring people because you can focus on that part of your business. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what the trade show is. It's it's usually it's where you're showcasing your work to um you're you're getting buyers like in the larger retail industry to carry your products. Well, on average, how much do they cost? So, yeah, so the at the time, and I'm not sure exactly what it is now, it was $2,500 for this trade show. On the average, they're like $5,000. Okay. Wow. And for, so, but they're like for seven days, correct? No, so the trade show, most of them, they're only three days. It's typically okay. part of the magic show. Magic okay. show is the largest fashion trade show in the world. Okay. Um, and there's like several umbrellas under the magic show. So it depends on your product and your category. Mm-hmm. The pool was definitely more to me for emerging designers. Um, and that one was 2500 You also have, like, Capsule. That one is, like, 3300 mm-hmm. You have NY Now, which is a new one that I want to do. That one's 5000 So the they gift show. Yeah, they get the accessories. The international show. gift show. Yeah. I know a few people that have done that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you see, like, they get exposure. Mm-hmm. They get all mm-hmm. this money. So you don't have to do all these vending and grinding because you're getting these. You could be in your studio just chilling, and the yeah. orders are coming in. Right, it's wholesale. So the, for me, it's like the whole thing of like you're you're discounting your product in a sense, but then when you're doing it vending, you're getting your full price. So yeah, explain that also as well for the listeners. Wholesale versus yeah, so wholesale is typically fifty percent of your retail cost. Um, 
and it's it's you gotta be very strategic like I definitely didn't have my numbers together in the beginning mm-hmm. but you also got to calculate your full material costs your labor you know add all these costs together and that will determine what your actual cost of making the product and then your wholesale for me like people divide multiply that by like two per, like by two and then for your retail you can multiply it by three but it depends on your product or, or like for a whole, it, it just, it's really funny. So like, but typically whatever my retail is, half of that is my wholesale. Like yeah, that's so if you is. have like a $30 item that you sell at like a market to a customer directly, that's going to be $15 wholesale. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's what you're selling into the buyers. And usually you give them a minimum like dollar amount. So they, they can't just buy like a couple products. Like for me, it's like 250 and I'm starting, I'm actually going to raise it to 300 Like that's how much you got to spend to even get my wholesale rates. You have to spend three hundred dollars, or you have to buy three hundred items. No, not three. No dollars. I do mine in dollar amounts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So two fifty to three hundred. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some people do items. It depends. Some people do it by items. Some people yeah. do it by dollars. But that's good to know that you set like a like a like a minimum. You have to set a minimum for because that's because anybody would buy mm-hmm. wholesale, mm-hmm. and then they have to be a stores. It can be a one time buy. Like somebody like oh I'm buying this many. I don't care if they're minimum. <laughs> I don't care if they buy it. If they're like an individual person in that store, I'm not giving you wholesale. Yeah. Because you're not going to rebuy. You're, I mean, you're usually right. just buying it for one event versus the store is typically going to reorder with you. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. If your product sells well. so Yeah. Yeah, and I would just also add just about the price. One of the things I've learned with the pricing of your product is that in addition to co- cost of goods sold, which is about how much material each material costs to go into your product, and then your labor, it's also your value add. So mm-hmm. I was... Um, I'm going to give a shout out to um, Open for Business. They were talking about it. But also in my program, we talk about the value proposition. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's like what your customer, like what's the value add that you're giving to them? Like why should they buy Camila's, you know, dope ass shirts instead of going to Macy's? There's a value add there because of the style and like the punk black, like alternative thing is that you're, and I'm cute. Oh, yeah. And and Camila's cute. Her number is, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But the idea, yeah, and the idea is that, like, I, um, that that has a cost to it, and that has, and again, we've talked about this before, but as black women, women of color, like, we tend to, like, total, like, we don't even add the value add, like, there is no value add, it's just about the numbers, and you're like, wait, what the heck, like, like, no. That's it's like, this is a unique product. Like right. That's what the customer said to me. He was like, I've never seen it, so that should cost me in itself. Yeah. Yes. Just because it's and something that's the unique. Value right. add. Yeah. yeah. No, that's very true. I will say this, too. That's You bring up a good point. That's also a good reason why to do vending events and uh, trade shows, if you can, is because you can actually see, A, you can see uh, other items that are going on in your industry, like what other people are doing, what materials and things like that that they're using. But also you get a idea of pricing. I think you did. Do you mind sharing the story that you told me about the first time you did a trade show and you said the first customer walked up to you and said something you were like immediately. Right. It was the first trade show. I did a pool trade show and I had a buyer come. Um, she's from San Francisco, actually. And they they were we were still setting up and she saw my stuff and she was like yeah I want to carry your stuff in my store and then I was telling her prices and she was like oh my god this is very like inexpensive to be honest she said even though we're gonna place she said we're gonna go ahead and place the order but she was like you need to increase these prices before tomorrow because and I and I immediately did exactly mm-hmm. and that's why my sheets were all crossed out because I don't I didn't know that was the other thing me not doing enough homework 
in the beginning in terms of pricing. I didn't know what other people were charging. And then I'm looking at other designers. We have very similar aesthetic, same materials. And it's like, damn, you're charging way more than I am. And yeah. it could come off cheap if you're not charging enough. Yeah. So that that's and that's a hard thing, like an issue for me because it's like I want it to be affordable to people. And I know like when people call a lot of us, we don't have the money necessarily to spend for the that type mm-hmm. of stuff. But then I have to start thinking this is what I do full time. I I can't, like, this is my job. Like, this is what right, I do. Right. And people are buying these ridiculous, like, Louis Vuitton. You know, all this other shit. They're mm-hmm. buying purses mm-hmm. and stuff. And I'm like, why can't they spend this money with me? Yeah. And it's handmade locally. Do so. you feel comfortable sharing, like, the price that you had and then what you saw the people Yeah, so you? it was the heart necklace. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was the one that is hammered brass. It's like a circle, and it has, like, spikes coming down from it. And I want to say the price that I had was, like, 35 wholesale. And she was like, this should be 50 She said, this should be like $50 wholesale. Easy. Even though it's $15, $50 makes a difference when someone's own, like ordering multiple. Right. And she said, because we could resell it for 100 Like, that's what she was letting me know. Because oh. they know what they can resell it for. And that's the thing. You have to think in terms of the boutique. Some boutiques can sell more for others. Yeah. yeah, like the Smithsonian is a prime example. Yeah. Like, they, 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 they multiply my product by 2.5. That's how they resell it. So I'm like, well, wow. damn. I'm about to. And even though it's hard. It's so it's hard sometimes once your wholesaler is set with the customer to kind of change it. Yeah, yeah. But you can, and I've done it. It's just I did it in a slow, like I was kind of like, oh, I switched this earring around, and I did it with the museum actually. I was like, uh, you know, I kind of I upgraded this earring, therefore I need to charge more, and they were mm-hmm. and they were cool with that. Yeah, it's just about you can't just all of a sudden increase have the the product they've been buying, and then all of a sudden it costs more, even though technically you kind of could because cost of materials do go up. Yeah. So you can kind of justify yeah. it. You got to be just strategic in your wording because you don't want yeah. them to be like, well, you're trying to get over on us. We don't want, you know, forget it. Yeah. And especially, you know, so certain, but you, you got to definitely say it. So once she told me that, yeah, I changed that. She raised all, the I raised all of my prices. <laughs> Like in the moment, ten dollars your market or more. No, Candace told me she was like, "Oh, at the last day, she was like, my price had increased by like (laughs) forty percent." She was like, she came over and told me something. I raised it a little bit, and then I raised it more the next day. More people started buying, so I raised it more the next day. And then she was like, "On the last day, it was like it was a hot mess." And that's probably no one should do it like that. (laughs) I literally had three different price points for certain things. I ain't gonna lie, it was out of pocket. But you want to have a consistent price, otherwise people. We'll start talking to each other. And be right. Like, Wait a minute, and I got to put this. But money. then they all were like money. located in different states, so I figured it. <laughs> but you got to make sure you definitely have to do the research and testing out what is the price point in yeah. your industry or for your particular product, yeah. which is something I'm still working on in terms of making sure I'm pricing right and not overpricing or not underpricing. How did you find out that the Smithsonian chart what they chose what they sold retail? Do they tell you or you have to find oh, out? Oh, they yourself? tell me. They they're very honest. Like oh, in my okay. order form. Oh, they're nice. like they're like, We want this many products, this is your wholesale, this is where we're gonna retail it for. Oh, so they oh. tell you. Yeah. They're supposed to? Yeah. Because okay. in the beginning they sent me tags, um to, I had to tag everything. Now they do mm. it themselves now, which is great. But they it was very professional. That was the first time I learned about a school a skew. I had never had SKUs, like item codes for my mm-hmm. product. Mm-hmm. I had to create for every single product for the Smithsonian. So they, they want everything organized. They nice. Yeah. So um so yeah, they tell me they you know, their stores will tell you they're not gonna you know, as long as they're they, they don't they're not gonna try to hide that fact. It's usually as long as they're not underselling it in like in terms of your website. Like that's the other thing. And some stores do have an issue with that. Sometimes my website my website prices will be lower than what they're selling it for, but then I guess if you're a certain store, then people are going to buy it directly there because they yeah. can try it on, so it doesn't matter. They're not going to yeah. go to my site. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I have gotten customers from stores who have bought my stuff and wanted more. So mm-hmm. then they went to my site, which mm-hmm. is dope. Mm-hmm. So. And then are their prices on your site the same as the retail store? Or they um, a lot of them are. I'm making, like, I've gotten better with it, so most of them are. But a lot of times the retail stores charge more than I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's actually an interesting point because I never even thought of that. So no Yeah. Good. yeah. So yeah. your prices on your website should probably be the same as their They should store. be. Yeah, it's like a standard, unless it's like the museum where they just mark it up way more than most. But they can do that. They're the museum. Smithsonian. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. someone yeah. can, you can just do it. Yeah. And people want to buy something from the museum. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to the Smithsonian. Yeah. <laughs> so, what are your plans? What are your future growth plans for Candid Art? What's Yeah, what's we want to know where you're going to go. And yes. I'm not going to lie, I have some resources for you if you're interested. Because <laughs> I was like, I can just see it. I can just visualize and I'm, it. And I'm open to hear it, too. Like, that's the thing, because it could be overwhelming. Um, there's a couple things I want to do with my brand. Well, now that I'm pregnant, yeah, <laughs> I'm five and a half months, um, and I'm having a little girl. I've always oh, but you figured out the girl? Oh yeah, I didn't tell you. No! Oh, sorry. I yeah. remember you were super excited about it's it. It's a girl. Yes. So I'm super just. Um, so I've always wanted to do a little girls line. I've been talking about this for like a year and a year and a half, way before I knew I was getting pregnant. But um, now that my little girl's coming. I'm definitely gonna launch a little girls line, like a mommy and me collection. Nice. But it's also, but it's not gonna be your average jewelry. You're gonna have to see some things. Yay. I don't know. Some stuff may be or may not be appropriate for little girl. But I'm gonna try to make it as kid friendly as possible in terms of yeah. hand pieces, hat pieces, even some little girl body chains. I don't know. Oh. We're gonna we're gonna play with it. <laughs> it's, it's cute because it's just like a little girl shoulder. Right. It's like something that and, it, and it's like expandable that they could pull it on themselves. So mm-hmm. just playing with those materials but it's basically like having some funky jewelry that you normally wouldn't buy in the store so that the mom and the daughter could kind of have their both their matching funky jewelry yeah um the other thing i want to do and i've been kind of playing with i had some sample shirts made i kind of want to get into the clothing industry and design and pattern making um i like i said i used to draw a lot back in the day i do a lot of design scribbles and patterns i have an obsession with eyes and geometric shapes uh, yeah especially eyes i love eyes um and so i don't know i want to create my own pattern and just start up with some basic shirts not even basic kind of like high low funky geometric cut off shoulder Ooh, I holes i don't know it's like a very a little avant-garde a little bit different you haven't seen that's going to take time to develop but i am in the process of starting that Kanzadar is like the Kanzadar clothing line in terms of like just funky hot shit. But I want my own material, but then also going to play with some other fabrics and just make it something that you ain't never seen before. That's kind of what my, and do a couple basics, but no, not really. I ain't gonna lie. (laughs) So those are like the three things. Before I thought about doing a men's line and all that, but I can't channel men's jewelry design, so I'm not even gonna, (laughs) I just can't. That's not my thing. But little girls is definitely That's next. That's good that you know that about yourself and you're like, I know, yeah. Well, I tried it, and it's just hard. Men always ask. It's hard for me to make men's jewelry. I just don't mm-hmm. really. It comes up really feminine. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, even though I like the masculine edge, though, that's the thing because mm-hmm. I have like a. My dad is in construction, so it's like I want to do a whole construction collect, like an industrial collection. I've always oh. wanted to do that, but I love the idea of masculine. Feminine, which will be coming out soon, guys. Keep track for the new collection coming out this year. Yeah. But uh, it's going to be a mixture of soft textures and hard textures. Nice. But the little girl's line is definitely a priority now, especially with the little girl. And maybe, I don't know, maternity. Like, I'm going to make some stuff for me for my baby bump. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see. When That'll be hard. Yeah. 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 Like, like, hot body yeah. Yeah. Oh, the baby. Yes. So um, just to adorn our bellies and be proud of, like, you know, we have a life. And why not adorn it from the outside? So that's something that that might be a small run. We'll see, but I'm definitely gonna do some stuff for myself. So if people like it, I might resell it. 
And that's that. That's kinda... awesome. Are you thinking about like expanding your like your employees and being able to like you know build a team and effort? Definitely. Well, I'm I'm working on getting another production because I'm gonna be off from maternity leave. So this is like mm. I'm gonna really have to have people that can run it as if it was me. So that's gonna be a very difficult for me. Well, I'm gonna still be on the computer stuff, but as far as making, I need to make sure production is in order. Yeah. And operations in terms of like orders getting shipped out on time emailing certain customers. Even though I'm going to be doing a lot of stuff, I'm not going to lie, I'm maternity leave in terms of computer mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. But I know the making part, I'm not going to really be able to do like that. So I'm going to just, depending on even, I don't even know how if I'm going to have a C-section versus a natural childbirth. It, that all, that will also determine my working ability. Yeah. So, But I do need to have, I'm going to have the team expand it, definitely. Yeah, what and would I, be your dream like number of staff members to have? Um, You know, it's never like, it's not like a set number of people I want. It's more like, more of the most efficient people in mm-hmm. terms of like um to be honest i feel like for a solid production staff like i would want two or three production people mm-hmm. to be honest because that's the most that's the bread and butter of your business mm-hmm. having your materials produced i also want a sales rep which is something i never had mm-hmm. i want to train somebody to mm-hmm. sell their job is to reach out to stores set up meetings bring sample product yeah. sell it and i and i've done sales so i know i just need to train somebody to do it how i would do it when i used to cold call back in the day mm-hmm. so that's a very important that's a very important role too sales is what drives numbers for mm-hmm. your um you know for your company that's what drives your money yeah um everything else is like it'll kind of fall like social media marketing is probably be one person pr i want to adapt more get more pr press mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. i'm getting now that i'm getting more established i definitely want more press Mm-hmm. Um, so that people could start knowing about me. And I want to be international. I have no international presence. Oh, okay. So that's something I definitely... Like, I've heard in the individual customers order internationally, mm-hmm. but not stores. Mm-hmm. So that's... I actually, I wrote that down. I was like, international. Yeah, no, I want... I, mean, oh, I, I could see your... Oh, yeah, stuff for sure. Like Germany or yeah, Amsterdam for sure. or yeah. Paris, No, people always be like, or... it's just a matter of me either going out there myself and trying to... Yeah. Um, connecting with somebody. And I, and I need to actually probably go out there myself and try to just, and just do a walk-in. Well, they have an international trade show. Did you just mention the it? international gift show? Yeah, no, yes. they do, and I'm so, and they do the one it's in, in Paris. New York and I think they have one in Atlanta now. Yeah, but they but they have uh, that one is and the gift show may not be a fit for my jewelry because I've I've actually visited that one. Okay. Because that's the other thing I recommend: visit a trade show before you pay all that money. Ooh, because that's people a good would point. think does it cost money to go? No, it's free. Oh, and you can let them know that okay. you're you're coming as I a potential. Go. I was like, just you, be trip for sure. For a trade show or even for vending events as well. If you have time, sometimes visit it first. Yeah, and for a trade yeah, show, a lot of money, and yeah. if you let them know you're a potential exhibitor, part of research. they'll have someone meet you like a rep and they'll kind of they'll do a walkthrough that's how i did the pool like when i went to vegas i had set up meetings with every trade show every individual show in vegas while i was there that's how i decided on pool mm. because you have to it has to be a very strategic decision when you're spending that you much that money. money yeah yeah so for me i don't know if that international one but there's another one in paris that they do that that is that looks like it might be the type of jewelry that i would dig with so i don't know and that takes i mean obviously that's a bunch of that's a huge investment yeah so I feel like I want to do a couple more trade shows here before I do that. Mm-hmm. And maybe I need to just take a trip to Europe and just do some cold calls or try to reach out to some store yeah. buyers before I even do that. Because you can do it the old school way, like just reaching out, calling them, emailing mm-hmm. them, and be like, I'm going to be in your town. Would you mind if I stop by and set up an appointment and I can show you some of my work? It so, can be that simple. All right. all right. Well, that was really awesome. Yes. We're actually going to take a break. After the break, we're just going to talk a little bit about what it's like to be a black woman doing this work. Thank you.
my brain's like, I've learned so much already. Just no. we about to we about to make it happen out here. Okay, so we just wanted to kind of close it out by talking about a little bit about what it's like to be a black woman in the craft fair hustle world. Mm-hmm. And you already mentioned, like, the lack of representation, like, only three black women at the trade show, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious, like, one, do you feel like we're underrepresented, right? Two, why do you think that's happening? And then three, what do you think your solutions are to that? Um, first one is, yeah, we definitely are underrepresented as black women in this industry. Um, I think, the, the, to me, the reason why is exposure. We don't know. It, it goes back mm-hmm. to lack of knowledge. I didn't know about the trade shows till later. It's not something all black people were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have the fi- the money, the financial, the yeah. capital, well, the yeah. backing. Yeah. That's another reason why we don't participate because we just don't have the financial backing, and we don't and we don't really share enough information with each other. Mm-hmm. We don't share like the successes or what works and what doesn't work, um, and we're not prepared sometimes. To be honest, like we just. We, we sometimes jump really fast, but we're not really prepared. You got to be a little polished to me to do the trade show. And not to say you can't just jump into it, but it's like little grooming things that need to happen before you decide to do that. Just mm-hmm. so you know, your, so your brand looks on point. Yeah. yeah. And then for like regular craft fairs, do you feel like we're like, the you know, I guess there's smaller craft fairs all in the Bay, but even like the big ones, like we talked about Renegade and Etsy and things like that. Like, do you feel like we're represented there? Yeah, I feel like we are underrepresented in the bigger ones, especially for me, Renegade was one that was... Oh, yeah. Etsy, I feel like, is, is getting more... Like, I've, I've always been a part of Etsy, so I've always felt like it was diverse to me, but I know every, people feel different. Renegade, no. I did Renegade one time I got accepted, and I want to say it was like four people of color there. So, to me... Like, Renegade, not even black people, just like people of color. Yeah, no, black people. I'm sorry. Oh. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm black, black, sorry. Um, and it was like, this is ridiculous. You're in the Bay Area. There's a lot of black designers and makers here. So, it's kind of like, are you guys just selecting the same people? What is right. your criteria? What is the committee looking at in terms of products that they select? Yeah. Um, and I feel like a lot of it is not fair. And therefore, I feel like recently, to me, in the last two years, there's been a lot of shows specifically for black people. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah. been, a, it's been out great. Our own space. Yeah. yeah, it's like we've been creating our own shows because we just, we haven't been getting representation and, and haven't been getting um, the fair share, if you will, um, even though I feel like our products are great. But, it, and, then, and not to say, like, sometimes it does come down to, I know they look at branding. They do look at the overall appearance. Mm-hmm. And because we don't have that capital to invest in displays sometimes, right. it may not look as professional. And that is crucial when they select for their show. I mm-hmm. get it to one extent, but on the other extent, I do feel like it's just they choose their friends or they choose right. they choose jewelry jewelry that resonates with them mm-hmm. That's or, or, or products that resonate with them. Sometimes our stuff is very... Target, you know, it's targeted. Like yeah. it's more targeted towards people of color, or black folks. So yeah. they may not select us, even though I feel like it's a diverse group of people shopping. So they should. So I agree. I agree. They always like to say that oh, you're, it wasn't the aesthetic that we're going for, and it's like, well, if your aesthetic is only your aesthetic, how's that pleasing to the customers? Everybody's aesthetic is not yours. It's, right. Yeah, it's kind of like an analogy for, like, the fear of breaking outside of the box or, like, shifting, the, even, like, challenging with the customers. Like, oh, like, maybe they don't know they like that. Yeah, that's... Right, But right. there's, like, fear around, like, even doing that. Right, right. What um what has been your experience with uh, vending in some of those shows and being a black woman? Um, like, for example... Well, not for example, but uh, on the last show... Uh, Hope and I kind of discussed how we were uh, 
have done some shows and we've kind of felt that because we were maybe the black people, they put us in certain areas or they yeah. did, you know, didn't give us priority placement or things like that. So Yeah, I've definitely felt like that before. Um, I don't I don't play that no more. To be honest, I straight will come in. If I don't like my spot, I'm gonna ask to be moved or ask for a better location. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I will. Like I don't you gotta ask like you gotta you're there to sell your product and if you feel like your location is not the best place to sell it, you mm-hmm. need to ask and try to get moved somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like sometimes we are placed in locations that are like, what kind of location is this? Like why would you put me here? Like, mm-hmm. why would you have me way here? Like, mm-hmm. why no one can really see my product? And I hate, sometimes people who coordinate shows, they don't understand their vendor perspective. We're here to sell product and make money. If I'm not in a good location to do that, it is not profitable for me. And so, therefore, I would never do your show again. Like, or I'm, right. like, going to be very, very angry at your show. Yeah. So, now, I don't even care. Like, I straight be like, yeah, I don't like my space, so. Or, and I said in a nice way, like, is there yeah. a way I could be moved or could we ship? Like, yeah. I need to sell too. You gotta explain, and you sometimes you gotta say, the reason I'm like this is because I, this is what I do full time. I can't waste time, energy, and money if I'm not gonna sell my product because yeah. I'm not being seen. Yeah, we talked, we actually talked about how, like, you're really good at advocating for yourself and, like, you're, oh, like, you're definitely oh. a model for all of us to be <laughs> yes. like, nah, like, mm, 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 mm. Yeah, people always say you always, they, they call it, like, can't you always trying to smash? <laughs> I ain't even about smash. I just, it's I just, don't, I mean, yeah, that's if that made right, I'm not going to never not speak on it. I'm just, just what it is. Like, I'm not going to yeah. bite my tongue, unless it's a situation where it's like, maybe I should be cool, let me assess the situation. But when it comes to my business or me, or it's like, mm, excuse me, <laughs> you got to, you got to speak up for yourself. And yeah. sometimes we don't speak up for ourselves or yeah. we're intimidated. And to be honest, it's like, I know not to credit my black college, but going to Howard definitely strengthened that for me in terms of like, I mean, I'm from Oakland too. And my family, we have very strong black roots, but also going to Howard validated, like we we're dope. We mm-hmm. don't have to apologize. If you want it, you demand it, and you get the yeah. respect you want. So that was always ingrained in us at a black college in, like, all my classes. So with that being said, when I came to corporate America, my first job, and I experienced racism, I instantly called him out, and he ended up getting pieced out. And, I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't waste no time. Like, it was like, yeah. this wow. is the reasons why. And I was young, but I already was like, I <laughs> mean, like, I'm not having it from anybody. Yeah. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to do my job the best that I know how to do my job, and I'm not going to be disrespected ever, so... You yeah. gotta speak up for yourself. Yeah, I think my dream I think my dream for just be is to figure out how we can also speak up for each other and like use use what we have to like l- like shift all the black tables somewhere else. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's my dream. Which means no, I gotta work on better speaking up in general yeah. for myself. It starts with yourself. If I'm gonna be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. start with yourself. Yeah. Then, then you then because I've done spoken up for other people, like in terms of Yeah. That's not right, but then I can't always I had to learn how to push back on that too because then some people are known that they know that you're the speaker so then they won't say nothing but then they want you to take all that oh yeah and then I have to so I have to smash on that situation like that if you want it you got to get yourself I'm not negotiating for you Mm -hmm. yeah 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 you have to be in it to get be in it yeah as well in it yeah 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 I mean the one event that we were we were actually there was that I was the example I was giving in our last show was when we were at the winery I didn't I didn't the Rockwell? Yeah. Oh, my. And she put them on blast. I was like, we were all vague about No, you fine. We already put everybody on blast. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Everybody out now. Which, and that event was... I ain't gonna lie, it was great. Like, I, I love that event, to be honest. But we did. But my, you, you and were, my rep did, see, she, my, I wasn't even there. No, she told us. She was like, as soon as she got there, she was like, Candace ain't gonna like this location. And she instantly went. And that's why I want to train the people, like, this mm-hmm. is our standard. Yeah. And if it's not like that, we're not doing it. 
or yeah. I want my money back. So it was kind of like that's what it was, and they and they accommodated us. But you gotta ask for it. If you don't ask, you won't. Yeah. Well, there was another woman that had asked, and she just left. You know, but that, yeah, but, but that, see, event, gonna, but I knew that if it happened to you, I'm like, no, 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 I'm gonna be here, but I'm gonna need this location because <laughs> that location made a huge difference. At that no, event. we were literally in that the wind. outside of they put them. all the black people in the wind, and my shit got damaged. Yeah, I was chasing no, things people that were flying away. <laughs> But then I heard it was also a first come. So that's the other thing. I did apply late to that event. Uh-huh. And I was asking, like, how did y'all decide the section? They were like, these are a lot of people that are returning, and they've already applied. Uh-huh. So that's the thing I'm starting to learn, too. I, I, I was like, okay, I maybe I can't complain. Some events, we have to apply too early uh-huh. to get better placement. I learned that with Tim and Scott Street Fair. Yeah. The later you apply, the later you apply, the, the further down you are. To mm-hmm. me, the moneymaker is closer to 51st. So I made sure I applied early, and I requested where I wanted to be. Um. Cool. So what do you feel like, the closing question is, like, what do you feel like is the solution to yeah. the representation? So you were really clear, like, about, like, the issues. So what do you think are some solutions you'd love to see? Um, sharing information with each other in terms of, like, like what Jesby is doing and having workshops. So maybe to make help people with their branding, to make it stronger, yeah. make their presentation stronger, mm-hmm. make their displays stronger. It's so like that, coaching. Yeah, mentoring. so it's like when you do apply your packaging is tight. Yeah. Um, making sure we apply early. Don't apply late. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of be... Oh, I got that issue. I know we... I, I just, said on the first episode I have a problem with CP time. Yeah. yeah. Condition. Uh-huh. It's a condition. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's good, but it's... You got to get... Like, I don't... But I also have that with applying to Candace shows. Candace is like, I need to describe Candace the listeners. Is like Candace's hands out. are going yeah. up in the air right now. She's touching her face. No, because it's like, like freaking out. We can't let that shit. that whole CP time. Who, who created that? You know what I mean? Like, I think it's a stereotype. And I and I feel like definitely we, we, we use it as a crutch in a sense. Yeah. Of, and as we like, time is time, and time is is precious and. And I'm an impatient person either on top of everything else. So I'm very, and sometimes I'm late, not to say, but most of the time I'm like, damn, I'm here. And then I was like, wait, we're returning? Because to me, my business is so critical yeah. that I can't, time is money. Like I could be doing other things. But it's like, I like to give time. It's just like, you, it's like respect the time. So yeah. It's respecting it. Okay. Um, so it, well, going back to what you were saying with the solutions. So, so solutions to me is just like helping them to just be good coaching. Um, helping them with the branch, making the branch stronger, making sure we, like, going over our application process, even how you describe, Whoa. like, um, they are, like, what is your product or your business? Make sure your descriptions are on point, too, so that can sell your business sometimes yeah. into the show. Photography, they want to see pictures of your work. Yes. You can't have no bootleg pictures. You need to be sending some nice pictures. Yeah. So yeah. all those things matter to me, and, and then just sharing knowledge with each other in terms of, like, a trade show, like I'd be down to help out with a workshop with that, like in terms of not saying I'm seasoned veteran, but just no, for doing yeah, it, yeah. you gotta have your line sheets on point. You need to have your marketing materials. You need to, it's a whole thing when you go to a trade show, yeah. your wholesale pricing, your codes. You just wanna be clean and, and look like I'm a brand and I've been established. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a presentation and we just don't know. Knowledge, we just, I go back to knowledge is power. A lot of things black people don't know. We just, yeah. we just don't know it. Yeah. I didn't awesome. know that. I agree. Yeah. And I think making our own, you, you mentioned that a lot of uh, events are coming up that are just, like, geared specifically for black for women, black people. <laughs> yeah, that's what You know, a lot of markets are just coming out that are like, look, this is for black people. Yeah, and I think that's the dream of Just Be is, like, carving out space for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, black people, and a lot of times we want to support each other. Even there's still, there's still an issue to talk on that, how we don't support each other. Yeah. Which we don't sometimes, but then there's a lot of us who do. So yeah. that's why I don't say, I'm like, it's like 50-50. Yeah. 
Yeah, in terms of support. And, and there's like, I mean, speaking of like research and knowing the industry and the market, like there's a movement right now. There's a trend about supporting black business, black mm-hmm. lives matter. Mm-hmm. But, and it know, started from black, black lives black. because we were getting played like in different things. So mm-hmm. now yeah. like, why are we not supporting our businesses when a lot of we create a lot of stuff? Yeah, yeah. we are the main creators of stuff. And we don't be getting credit. For yeah. That. Yes. So that's I'm all about that. That's of course my yeah. business, my business um, self. Right. Yes. All right. Well, I said it before and I'll say it again. Find your tribe. And I'm so grateful that Candace is in our tribe. Mm-hmm. For Yay! sure. Candace is actually an advisor tribe. of Just Be, a founder and an advisor of Just Be. Yes. So we just yes. Do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Oh, and the Just Be Baby. No, I'm just Yeah. And we'll be Just Be Baby. She's going to be in all the knowledge early. Yes. <laughs> so we definitely want to thank you for joining us today Thanks for and having me. sharing your wealth of knowledge on the subject and information. And we will definitely have you back on the uh, beauty shop episode where we could just shop talk, gossip, talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like shops. And uh, talk about business, politics, pop culture, whatnot. So thank you again for thanks, guys, for coming on me. our thank show you. today. All right, we're gonna take a break and then we're gonna tell me why. where we close out and we just share something that's like been on our mind it could be something that's like tell me why oh my god like some crazy stuff or it can be like tell me why i'm so excited and juiced about something so who wants to go first camila okay (laughs) i'm an obvious tell me why because i'm sitting in here with a burnt ass chest (laughs) because black people get some first too oh yes Yes. we do (laughs) (laughs) i'm light-skinned so i'm picking on them right now Speaking of the craft fair hustle, I vended, it started last weekend with no tint, and my nose is sunburned, my chest is sunburned, and you can't see it, but my back is also sunburned. Oh, dang, I didn't realize. Tell me why, if you are going to start the craft fair hustle, and a lot of markets are outside, invest in a tent. And sunscreen. And sunscreen. <laughs> right. <laughs> it is worth it. So, yeah, tell me why I'm sunburned <laughs> <laughs> from vending, from selling. But I'm here. Yes, yes you, you are. are. <laughs> <laughs> so, Candace, um, I'm going to let you think about your tell me why. Yeah. You're not ready. But, home, you tell me why. All right. So tell me why I'm hella excited for our fundraiser. We've been crowdfunding for the Empower Her and Allied Media Conference. Um, and we made a cool jade. Yay! Yay! Which is $1,000 in case you didn't know what that meant. <laughs> um, so and we're, I think we'll make a little bit more for sure before we go. But 
I'm very big on crowdfunding and I'm very big, I'm obviously a social entrepreneur, I'm very big on like shifting the culture around supporting ourselves financially. Mm -hmm. I really am. I think I get a little too militant about it. But <laughs> social justice about it. But yeah. I, I, the reason why is because I've learned because I used to be like the total opposite. So, mm-hmm. so um, I'm really appreciate all the love. We really appreciate. Yay. Don't under, I would say the, the entrepreneurial thing I really learned in my journey is do not underestimate yourself or your community. Mm-hmm. Very true. It's so true. I had never crowdfunded before, and Hope was like, "No, let's." Do I this. still have never crowdfunded. Let's That's something it. I'm we, gonna be we, doing. We gonna talk. No, yes, I'm about to do yeah. it because I need to do a Kiva before I go on this maternity. Oh, I was about to mention Kiva. Okay, yeah. we need to, we need to chat after this so I can connect you some resources. No, seriously, it works. I had never done it before, and Hope was like, "No, let's do it. Let's do it." And at first, I was kind of like, <laughs> I was, <laughs> was like, you know what? I'm not gonna lie. I was still like kind of tippy toeing, like kind of like posting it here, posting it there. And, you know, I sent out, like, a general email to a bunch of people, and nobody was responding. And so I was starting to feel really, like, sad and down about it. But then Hope and I sat down. We went to lunch. And I, like, targeted specific people directly through text and email. Mm-hmm. And it all my people came in at one time. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, people want to support us. That's dope. So, and which platform did you guys use? You, Karen. You caring? Yeah, like, yeah, like Y O U and then caring. Yeah, yeah. I've never even heard of that one. See, I don't even. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember Camila. I was like, yeah, we gonna do crowdfunding, and I was like, you know, set up the profile. Camila was like, mm. she just like was like, <laughs> we kind of were like, well, I okay. Yeah. I feel the same way. With and Camila. then, I've but never... I just set it up, and then I was like, boom, here you go. And, nice. <laughs> and I had never done it before, and then last week, like. All these people just started donating and giving us money, and yeah, and so it was totally worth it. I'm so grateful and glad that we did it. So, yeah, I always have to hope always has to be like in the side of my ear, like saying, like, No, we can charge, we can ask for money. Like, <laughs> see, every, and like, you know, how people to think I'm money it. hungry, though. That's not the thing, it's a culture shift for me. Yeah, it's a culture but see, shift. So, you do know how to do the sales, you do ask for the sale. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I guess I do in a different way. In a different way. way. In a very See, and I don't do that way because it's my That's whole life. That's interesting. Yeah. It'd be this thing with me too. Like, I don't know if I'm going to ask. Like, it'd be like, uh, I'm never, because I never, I don't like asking people for a lot of stuff in terms of like, well, there's it's a, weird. I ask for the sale, but not for, like, yep. help for my business. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of bag, like a lot of social baggage around that that would probably take a whole other episode to unpack. Girl, yes. <laughs> but, but I do want to share another, another really deep piece of feedback someone shared with me too out here in Oakland um, was they just dropped a quote on me and they said it's really actually disempowering not to ask folks um, and to assume that they cannot give. And in particular with black folks and brown folks. And I was like, oh. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, and they were like, well, you're assuming they can't give. Like, you, it's like a class True. or something. Mm-hmm. It's classist. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. And racist, actually, because it's tied together. You're assuming they don't have any money or they don't have any money right. Or, or that they yeah. can't make a decision for themselves. Right. No, that's mm-hmm. very true. And I was like, boom, mind blown. <laughs> Light bulb. Yeah. No, you ain't got to, I'm definitely going to be working on one, like, sooner than later, actually. So I might be needing some insight. Cool. Yeah, for. All right, Candace. Um, so tell me why mine is kind of random. Tell me why I'm just really tired. <laughs> um, I'm tired. Obviously, Speaking being um, this is a new experience for me. Being pregnant, and running a business is a lot of work. You get really tired. So for me, one of the other things too, I'm learning as being an entrepreneur, we got to eat very like healthy and nutritious and. Even I just ate a scone with some whipped cream and jelly. But um, <laughs> you got to have your food because nutrition and you got to work out. It fuels your energy. Mm-hmm. And I'm realizing I really need extra fuel than I normally would yeah. on top of working because I'm still on full-time grind mode. 
and I'm like five and a half months. So it's definitely, I feel very tired easily and often. So I'm learning that your body, you have to listen to your body more. Like before mm-hmm. before I was pregnant, I, I'd be tired, but I, I kept moving. It was nothing. Now yeah. I'm like, I have to rest when I, when I want to rest. I got to sleep when I need to sleep. Mm-hmm. I need to turn my phone off when I turn my phone off. And yeah. I got to eat the right foods, which is still difficult for me. Um, but yeah, that's my like, tell me. Tell me why I'm so tired, but I can tell you why I am already. <laughs> <laughs> so for anybody else that's also pregnant and have their own business, you understand the struggle and just, we're tired as it is. So mm-hmm. it's like, just imagine extra tiredness. But yeah, your money like, doesn't yeah. stop because, yeah. I mean, you got to keep it moving because yeah. this yeah. is what you do full time. So, yeah. Word. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Thanks for having well, me, guys. Our- oh, and my website. Oh, yes. Well, yes. Oh, yeah. So my business is Candid Art Accessories. My uh, website is c www.candid c a n d i d art a r t accessories a c c e s s o r i e s dot com. Yeah. Candidartaccessories.com. My Instagram is at candid underscore art. Yes. I was just getting ready to say, where can the people find yeah. you? <laughs> you know, plug myself. <laughs> yes. 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 All right. Well, thank you for being here. And we're just going to give some quick shout outs to close out, which is we got to thank you for United Roots for the free space, the recording space. Thank you, Brother Ajman, who's actually been training us up on how to do this stuff, recording and giving us beats and Brother Calvin. Yes. And um, and thank you to the listeners. Please leave us a positive review. Please tell us we're amazing. Send yeah. us love letters. Yeah. <laughs> Hit that subscribe button okay. and leave your tell me why in our review comment section. Yes. We want to hear your tell me why. All right. And stay tuned for our next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you.